Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one ritual at a time. We are lucky enough to have Mr. Greg Dickerson back for a fourth and very important video. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great. One of the things I wanted to ask you about specifically given our background with real estate over 40 years combined, maybe even 50 years combined, is where might the pain be, right? Because we are in an environment where the 30-year mortgage is up. It has broken 5%, which is a game changer. Uh, you know, we believe, I think we both believe that first time home buyer homes are still very scarce, but I do believe given interest rates, given a slowing economy, given all of the things going on, that there's some pain ahead in real estate. So I thought you and I could point at a couple of places where we might uncover some pain. So either a people can get prepared, uh, or B maybe avoid some pain. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So you were a builder of, I'll call luxury oceanfront property back in the last real estate boom uh, in an environment where I think you have said a couple of times you thought prices were only going to go up and uh, that didn't happen as I recall. Yeah, they were. You know, <laughs> they ain't making any more, right? So there's yeah. only so much coastal property, oceanfront property, there's only so much land other than like somebody said, you know, you can't make any more land. You can. There's there's what's called land reclamation. You can create islands and you can you can you can create land, uh, and that's been done over and over. But at the end of the day, bottom line, and in, in you know oceanfront property things like that, you know, there's pretty much only so much of it, and prices were going up, but interest rates were going down. You know, credit was easy, money was easy. You know, all those things. Somewhat similar in terms of you know what we've seen recently with low interest rates, mm -hmm. affordability and access has been yeah. much easier. Wide open. But generally, where you see the first signs of housing corrections are in you know the high end second homes, uh, investment properties, luxury home market, uh, you know in those coastal areas, mountainous areas, uh, and then you'll see it in the home builders next because you know they're contracting with buyers that are six months to a year out from completion. So as rates go up, you know, you'll see those contracts fall out. You'll see builders, they'll liquidate. They'll just drop their prices and get rid of that inventory. So those yeah, are the first two areas you generally see it. Yeah, let's talk about the first one, just make sure people catch it. Because again, a lot of people watching this may think about, you know, that luxury stuff and think that these are the well-heeled well millionaires, you know, playing Monopoly, if you will. But in reality, these folks have the same kind of cash flow constraints and crunches and get just as fearful. And to them, it is it is a luxury that they don't need, right? So if these individuals get scared, they don't mind selling. And, you know, it, frankly, I've known them. They don't mind selling at a loss just to rebuild capital quickly. Is that fair to say, that number one? Oh, absolutely. And really, the first place to watch it, I don't even know where it is now, but where do you buy used Rolexes and Lamborghinis and Ferraris? Because those yeah. go up for sale first. Yes. And then the beach house goes. But that's, you know, they that's know what exactly. You yeah. When the economy is contracting and when, when the wealthy people are losing their money, those are the things you see. The jets go, the cars go, the watches go, then the beach house. Yeah. So I agree with that. Again, uh, in this, these all take time. A lot of people hear us talk about this and they're like, oh, can I buy one today? No, all this takes time. Every family makes their own choices. This, this happens over quarters, if not years. And then the next one is builders. I want to talk about builders a little more nuanced, given your background. I see, I see, I'll just call it three different types of builders because I'm not sure else to phrase it. There's the people that folk, maybe it's KB Homes. They focus on first-time home buyers. Then there's maybe Lennar and Pulte, which is kind of the move up buyer. And then there's the luxury buyers or the luxury builders, excuse me. Uh, I'm going to guess that those three builders don't react the same way. Is one hurt more or less than the others or might react first? 
Yeah, I mean, probably your first time home buyers are going to feel the pinch first and the mm -hmm. biggest with interest rate hikes, yeah. you know, going as far as fast as they've gone. You know, yeah. as you start to get higher up, a couple hundred dollars or, you know, $500 a month in a payment isn't going to affect somebody who's making okay. 300000 to a million dollars a year or more. And then at those levels, you get a lot of cash buyers too. So yeah. with the limited amount of inventory, here's the interesting thing that we have now that we did not have back 0809, yeah. obviously very different credit environment, very different borrower profile. The mortgages are much healthier in general overall the mortgage market. So that was a, that was a, you know, a banking crisis where the mortgage market was flawed 0809, mm -hmm. um, you know, and the inventory level is way different this time. I mean, yeah. We had a lot of inventory back then and it was taken even in a, even in a hot market was still taking four to six months to sell a house, even when the market was red hot back then, you know, uh, because there was a lot of inventory out there right now there is zero inventory. The biggest the other biggest component that we have now that we did not have back then in, in every area of the market were investment buyers. Yes. So the short term rental market wasn't a mean you know, thing like it is now, you know, everybody's into short term rentals and that's a whole thing now that wasn't even there you know, mm -hmm. back when I was doing it, because Airbnb was just getting, actually, Airbnb wasn't even around. It was VRBO, I think, yeah. yeah. Uh, we had VRBO, but not yep. Airbnb. Correct. Um, so Airbnbs really revolutionized the investment model of short-term rentals, especially mm -hmm. with arbitrage and all that, or, you yeah. know, the leasing model. Yep. Um, and then the, the you know, institutional investment buyers. So back then, they were buying mortgages, not the properties. And then once that dried up, they said, wait a minute, why are we buying the mortgages? Let's own the real estate. So, um, you know, they started buying those and then you have the individual mom and pops that are investing more in, you know, investment properties now than they were back then. So again, that's 30% of the market are, yep. you know, investment owners, the institutionals less than, you know, one or 2% of that, but, you know, average individuals own a lot of that. So they're, you know, so for home builders that are having trouble selling, they've still got an easy exit with institutional buyers in the, in the right markets that these buyers are looking for mm -hmm. that will pay a premium at very least will pay their costs. So builders are in a different position now than they were back then, but they will still cut inventory, you know, to get those houses off their books because they, the only way they make money is to keep turning. You know, they have to keep turning out houses in order to make money and turn a profit and keep people employed. Actually, they don't even care if they're profitable. They want to stay employed, you know, because a lot of these public companies, that's what they're doing. They're just rolling cash flow. Yep. They're making their money on the financing and all the other residual components especially with the prices, the way they're escalating right now, it's very difficult to make a profit as a builder, you know, on the actual building. Yeah, it's really, it's really, I could not imagine being, I mean, being a builder to me is always hard, right? All the, it's like a choreographed dance, right? You're, you're, you're managing money, there's cost of capital, there's carrying costs, then there's employees, and then there's different trades people and licensing and inspections. Then you throw in out of nowhere, these supply chain snafus, dead days are exploding, right? I, I read I read a crazy thing the other day. Uh, again, you're a builder, I am not. But I read that some kind of I-beam, some 40-foot I-beams are out of stock for four months. So so builders now are pulling two-story two plans because they don't have these, whatever this I-beam is. Oh, yeah, I-Joyce, yeah. Yeah, I-Joyce, thank you. JIs, yeah. So it's I mean, there's other alternatives there. That that's a, that's a very, you know, but yeah, I mean, building components, uh, trusses, whether they're open web floor joists, whether they're roof trusses, you know, whether they're TJIs, but you can just go back to, you know, dimensional, conventional dimensional framing lumber and fill the gap, but it's a little bit more expensive. You can't span as far. So there's limitations, you know, to, to what you can do with it, uh, where you got to get creative in terms of putting, you know, structural support columns in or things like that to span. 
but um yeah i mean it's just appliances you know just yeah. trying to get windows shingles that's oh, crazy and a lot of that started after 2008 9 after the 2008 9 crash you know a lot of like hvac manufacturers they weren't carrying inventory anymore yeah. you know you had to order stuff and there was a lead time on it because of the contraction in the housing market a lot of people left the trades they haven't come back in yeah so you know you, you don't have the labor force to be able to turn the product out so it's yeah it's probably the most difficult time in the history of building right now to be a builder because of all of the things that are happening from a supply chain and a labor market standpoint. Yeah, the last thing I want to talk about pain is really a question. One of the things that I visualize, and I, and again, I fully admit I could be entirely wrong about this one. I think the Airbnb VRBO space has gotten sexy, which to me means all these new investors come in and they're building, they're doing this arbitrage and they're doing all these things and they're not doing it on what I'll call class A, like destination places. They're doing it on class C homes. And that might work in a pandemic where people can't go anywhere. But in an environment of a recession, we just saw the 1%. I think I got the number like 56% of people are cutting back on travel. I, I don't know how this ends. It almost seems like supply demand has got out of whack and there's more supply than demand. I think some people are going to get hurt there, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, you'll see some contraction in that market just with the world opening up, you know, especially this year, people are traveling internationally again, yeah. where they weren't for the last two years. So people want to get out of the country, they want to get out of their area and go explore. So worldwide, you know, there's still a lot of demand and Airbnb and VR, VRBO housing, you know, as a rental has become more popular than hotel rooms, yeah. just because of the flexibility of it and things like that. I still personally don't use them. I, you know, when I travel, I like to use hotels because I want it all taken care of. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to do any of that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm a hotel guy. Yeah, it's like I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, unless you go to the beach or something, you know, then then you stay in a house. But, um, you know, I just haven't transitioned yet. I'd rather just stay in a luxury hotel. It's all everything's there. You call room service, it's done. You don't have to worry about it. You know, when I'm on vacation, man, I want to relax. You know? Yeah, I, I want to be on vacation. Exactly. And I go to resorts a lot too. So, you, you know, um, although I guess, you, you know, when I went last time I went to Greece, we stayed, you know, it was, ba it was a hotel resort property, but it was basically a house that they had converted, you know. Um, so it was, it was nice, but again, the amenities were, were, were built in and everything was taken care of. So that's how I like to travel, but yeah, you know, I'm that. not, you know, you, you know, not everybody's like that. So anyways, long story short, yes, there's a lot of people entering the market. A lot of them are doing properties in areas that you probably shouldn't be doing it. There's not real demand drivers and they're just not long-term, you know, not long-term drivers. Yeah. Doing whatever, but, uh, you know. Uh, people want to get out and they want to get about. I mean, there's cabin fever with the pandemic for the last couple of years. So people are still taking their trips or taking their vacations. And that's the thing that always sits with me. In 2008 and 2009, the worst financial crisis we've ever seen, banking collapsed, people were losing their jobs, companies were laying off, people still took their vacation. So especially down in that, that beach, because it was a cheap, drivable destination, yeah. you know, where people could get to it. It was an inexpensive way to stay. They could bring their food you know, and you could put three or four families or, you know, or a large family into a beach house and, you know, it didn't cost you that much. So those types of destinations are still going to be popular, even when the economy is contracting. But these little odd, you know, different things are the ones that will kind of contract a little bit and suffer, you know, if the traveler, you know, changes and, and inflation's such a problem where people can't even take a vacation. You know, that we didn't have that back then. Yeah, you know, we didn't have an inflationary environment. We just had, you know, that's the Everything difference. Else is going down. Yeah, inflation is is the game changer because now that discretionary income which you may have had to take that trip you don't have anymore. Gas is up. 
I mean, again, CBS poll, I talked about in the daily financial news this morning, 62% of people are consciously driving less because gas is so high. So again, I think, I think the inflation is the game changer, discretionary income, not there for a lot of people. Greg, where can people find you? Yeah, gregdickerson.com, YouTube channel, podcast. It's all there. Go check it out. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it.